Thanks for joining the Together Church podcast. Today is gonna be a little different. We're stepping outside of our normal series ethos to focus on what the world is talking about right now, and that is the coronavirus. As a body and as a church and as individuals who follow Jesus, we have a spiritual response that we're supposed to have towards this. So today as a church, we're gonna gather and we talk about what is our response in the midst of this crisis. This week, you and I have lived in this threat of a coronavirus, have we not? I mean, our news outlets are consumed. It doesn't matter what channel you go on, it's just consumed with this fear of this outbreak. There's mass chaos, there's panic that's widespread as people begin to fight over everyday items. Like, who would have thought that there would be fights in the middle of a grocery store over toilet paper and hand sanitizer? I mean, I thought by the year 2020, we would have flying cars, but we're still learning how to wash our hands. There have been school closings. There's been sporting events that are no longer happening. People trapped on cruise ships. It's like an episode of Lost. It's been absolutely crazy, hasn't it? We have people with fears and anxieties over getting this virus. These threat levels going up each and every day. And then there's some people who say, you know, this isn't that serious. It's not really that big of a deal. And then we have other people on the other side stating that we all should be in hazmat suits. And then maybe there's some others that are just kind of in the middle of going, I don't really know if I should take it that serious or if I should order a hazmat suit. I don't know. But what I will tell you, no matter where you are, you need to understand, as followers of Jesus, we are never to allow fear to drive who we are. Not fearing doesn't mean that we're not in denial. It doesn't mean that we belittle the situation. The virus is real. People are really dying. But what it means is that we respond differently as followers of Jesus. We are to respond much differently than that of the world. Yeah, we take precautions. We wash our hands, we cough into our elbows, and we take every precaution that we can not to spread any of the germs. That's our social responsibility. But did you know that you and I also have the spiritual responsibility? This is not a time for the church to run and to retreat, but instead this is a time for us to respond with the hope of Jesus. I love what A.W. Tozer says. He says that a, a scared world needs a fearless church. And our world right now is so scared. It's fear, it is panic, it is chaos. And what they need is not for the body of Christ to retreat. They need the body of Christ to go in the trenches and love them and pray for them and care for them. They need a church who is fearless, not reckless, a church who is fearless. So my question to us as a church, it's been my question all week, what are we supposed to do about this? What are we supposed to do in this kind of a crisis? What is our response? This is not a new question for believers. As a matter of fact, as I was looking to scripture for this answer, this very question was asked by King David thousands of years ago in Psalm 11, verse three. Here we find that David is on the run as a fugitive. His father-in-law, King Saul, is out to kill him over jealousy. Couldn't stand David because David had become this national hero of Israel. And he's now running for his life. And on top of all that, David's also in the military and the Philistine armies were terrorizing the entire country. In the midst of all of this chaos and crisis, David stops to write these words in Psalm 11. He says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? 
In other words, what are we to do in the middle of crisis? What can we do? When the foundations are being destroyed, when everything is up in the air, when it's all in a crisis and chaos, what should followers of God do? And what we see is what we get, right? It's all about how we see things. When foundations are destroyed, what can we do? Well, first of all, we've gotta be able to see it for what it is. If we continue to see fear and confusion, then what we're gonna see is fear and confusion. And if we see Jesus, then what we're gonna get is peace and proper perspective to make us have a, a perfect vision through this to see the situation for what it is and see God at work. That's the most important thing. I can remember when I started playing baseball as a kid, it was fun when I used to get to hit the ball off of the tee, right? Because hitting it off a tee, you have full control. There's no fear of being hit by a ball because you put it on the tee and decide when you want to hit. There's absolute control. But all that goes out the window when all of a sudden you get a little older and other kids begin pitching fastballs at you. And I can remember stepping up to the plate and that ball being thrown so fast that my first instinct was to step back and duck out of the path of that oncoming ball. See, my perception of the situation was this. That ball is going to hit me and it's gonna hurt. And that's a lot of kids learning to play baseball, isn't it? They have to trust when the coach tells them that this ball is not gonna hit them and they have to let go of their own assessment of the situation and trust, having the wisdom to stand where the coach tells them to so that they can swing the bat properly and hit that ball. And the same way the child has to trust the coach and avoid a natural reaction to what is going on, we've got to trust God with every situation in our lives and ask him the proper way for us to respond. And the, one of the ways that we respond is by what we see. We gotta frame it. We have to focus on Jesus. I love what the Bible says here in, in 1 Chronicles. He says, search for the Lord and for his strength and continually seek him. He says, in other words, continually worship him. It is in our darkest moments of life that we need to focus on God and seek him. It's in the crisis, in the chaos, in the confusion. When you and I feel crushed is when we begin to feel out of control. It's in those moments that we need most to focus on and worship Jesus. So when you're battling your fears and you're worshiping God, and you go get alone with him. Pray to him, sing to him, journal, write down your emotions and your thoughts. Read the scriptures, just simply worship him. See, our time with God allows us to find him in the middle of this chaos and this confusion. And seeing him and worshiping him in the midst of this chaos drives out any fear that we may have. See, worship puts a perspective on whatever the crisis is and it frames our fears by putting our eyes on Jesus. This crisis that's challenging us, it's, it's wanting us to react in a different way and that's in fear. But what we're saying as a follower of Jesus that we react out of faith and not fear, again, Faith, not in the stars or in some unknown deity, but rather we have faith in Jesus, our good shepherd, who is the resurrection and the life. I mean, you look at the situation and there's surely the only one that is in control is Jesus. He is in control of the situation. He's the only one that can guide us through the chaos. He calls us to trust and believe and to have faith and to not fear. So we have to focus on God. Now, there are gonna be times when we're focusing and our eyes are gonna to wanna to drift 
Because it's the, the storm around us is going to begin to make us scared and fearful and our eyes will lose that focus. But it's in those moments that we're looking at God that we have to always continuously remember his promises for us. The promises of God frames our crisis. Focusing on God's promises will continually allow us to put the things in the right perspective. There are over 6,000 promises of God in the Bible and God says, here's what I promise to you if you just trust me. Promises like, I will never leave or forsake you. Or all things work together for those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. So when we stack our crises up to the promises, they don't seem so big anymore because we see them differently in comparison to who God is. Unfortunately, people who don't know Jesus can become paralyzed in their fear because they don't have the proper framework. They don't have the proper perspective. The media, opinions of other people, begin to set their perspectives. But as followers of Jesus, we're not gonna be paralyzed by fear and crisis because we have hope in who he is. We have trust in who he is. We have hope in his promises. He gives a peace that surpasses all understanding. And this hope doesn't put us in denial that there's a crisis, but it does give us the perspective that God is still in control no matter what. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says, don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed. It's being renewed day by day. This affliction is preparing us. He says it's a light affliction. It's preparing us for this eternal way of glory that is beyond all comparison. And so as we look to the things that are not seen, but we look to things that are unseen, because these things that are seen, they will go away, but the things that are unseen, those things are eternal. In this passage, it gives us three different reasons that we don't get discouraged. The three reasons we don't lose heart. Number one, we know that all troubles are temporary. They don't last. They all have an end date. They do not last. Troubles are temporary. So whatever you're going through today, whether it be um, stressing and having fear over the, this, this virus, or maybe it's a relationship, or maybe it's a job, maybe it's whatever it is that is causing you some affliction, just understand this is just light. It's just temporary. It will not last. Hear from God. He says the second thing, you don't lose heart when you know that God is using these afflictions for a greater eternal purpose. We may never know why God allows some of the things that happens to happen. We may never get that answer on this side of heaven. And be honest, we may never get that answer on the other side either. But our job is not to question every little thing that God does. It's to have faith in these things. It's okay to question. But we gotta trust at some point that God works all things for good. It doesn't matter how bad it may seem from our, our earthly perspective because God uses these things for greater eternal purpose if we are keeping our eyes on God. And that's the third thing that he says. You won't lose heart when you keep your eyes on God. That's why we say to our, our response as individuals is we have to see God and focus on Jesus and remember his promises. That is what keeps us grounded through all of this. You see, the world's been shaken this week. But I can tell you this, the sovereignty of God can't be shaken. God's not surprised. He's been unshakable through this whole thing. Jesus tells us this in John chapter 16. He says, by trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured deeply at peace. So what is he saying? If you trust me, 
You will be unshakable. You will have this assurance that things are gonna be okay and you will be deeply at peace with this. He says, in this godless world, you'll continue to experience difficulties. Jesus says, hey, don't think that these are all gonna go away and you're never gonna face another difficulty. He says, what I'm telling you is, in this godless world, when you're separated from me, these difficulties will continue to be experienced. But you can count on it. Take heart. I've conquered this world. In other words, you trust me. I'm going to help you be unshakable. I'm going to give you an assurance. You're going to be deeply at peace when I am in control in your life. You can count on it because I've conquered this world. He says, in this world, you're going to experience these things. But if you belong to Jesus, you don't have to panic because you have a foundation that is unshakable. By focusing on Jesus and remembering these promises in times of crisis, it shouldn't just move us inwardly, but it should also move us outwardly because there's always a response to the gospel. And as I said earlier, the church does not run from a crisis. We run to the mess, not away from the mess. And I believe that Jesus can be glorified through the local church when facing crisis. I'm convinced that this coronavirus outbreak is possibly the greatest outreach opportunity for the church worldwide. I mean, the coronavirus has covered the globe and it's brought missions to our front door. The church needs to respond to this current situation in a sensible way, and it needs to be centered around the gospel of Jesus. So in the midst of a global crisis, how can we as individuals possibly make a difference? Because often we feel so small and we feel so insignificant. What is our outward response? What can we do? Well, here's one thing. You can resist the fear that's leading to panic in various sectors of our society today. Why don't, instead, model peace, model peace and calm in the midst of rising anxiety around us. Worry is not our friend. Panic is not the way that we respond to things when we follow Jesus. Solomon reminds us, he says, if you're faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. I, I want it to never be said of our church and that we live in fear more than we do that of faith, that fear governs us more than faith. Worry is common. It's common to man, but God has called us to face troubles and threats with courage and leaning our weight on him, trusting him so that we can model peace. Because in this world where there are people that do not know Jesus, we model peace and calm to them in the midst of this. A peaceful voice the Holy Spirit moving in our lives to give this peace of God to people. The other thing that we can do to respond as an outward response is just looking for opportunities to love and care for people. I mean, we've already found out that, that this virus is deadly to elderly people. We can look for opportunities to serve those who are elderly, those who are at risk with high sicknesses. We can reach out to our neighbor. It's a great time to get to know who the neighbor is that lives beside you. If God calls us to worry about anything, it would be how to love people well. The psalmist encourages us when he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Peter reminds us to press on in the midst of every evil, whether it's persecutions or, or these crises that pop up. We can trust in the Lord knowing it is better to suffer for good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. So we need to look for opportunities. What are the opportunities that we have right here in front of us to serve, love, and care for other people? So the church needs to spend some time washing hands and then going and washing the feet of people. We need to get outside of our building 
and get into our communities, loving, serving, caring for people, looking for those opportunities because they're there. But our eyes have to be open. And when we're focused on Jesus, he will point those things out. You also can spend time, pray for mercy for the sick, pray for strength for doctors, pray for insight for researchers and wisdom for officials. I love the fact that we can call out to our Father in heaven who hears us. He hears the cries of his people. We got to pray for these people who are running our countries and people who are running our towns and our cities and our state. Pray for medical teams who are treating the sickness that is new to them. Pray for men and women and children who've been infected by this. Pray for the people afraid to even leave their homes, for people that live in these red zones, for people who are at high risk with other illnesses, for the elderly. Pray that God would protect us and keep us and pray to him that he might show us in mercy. Pray for our pastors and our communities that they will make the right, bold decisions that they need to make. Pray that they would continue finding new ways to pastor people in this time and to empower other people. The thing about this coronavirus is it's just one more reminder that we live in a fallen world of sickness and sin and suffering and death. And ultimately, there's none of us that are immune to any of those things. But that's why the gospel is such good news. God has not left us alone in this world of sickness, sin, and suffering, and death. Instead, he's come to us in the person of Jesus. The greatest news in all of the world is that Jesus lived the life with no sin. He died on a cross to pay the price for our sin, and he rose from the grave in victory over the sin and death. Now, anyone, anywhere who turns from the sin and trusts in Jesus will be forgiven of all that sin and restored to the relationship with God. And that means through Jesus, we will never have to fear sickness or death because we know that we have eternal life with God and we trust him and he's assured us and given us this peace. He's given us peace. These are great things to live out as an outward response. But we don't just live these things out in crisis. We're also to live these things out every day, no matter the situation, praying for people and serving people, loving people, modeling peace and calm. These are natural marks of a believer. And this is what we're called to do. We're gonna continue to pray and we're gonna continue to worship God in the midst of our crisis because he is a good God. He is good. He is unshakable. And we're gonna put our trust and our hope in him and in him alone. And in these next moments, what I want us to do as a church is just to hear from him very clearly, to focus on what it is that God is telling us to do and what our personal responsibility needs to be in this time. Who can we love? How can we model peace? And how can we pray for others? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for having your word available to us so that we can read and know as followers of you what our response can be in these times of crisis. We pray for our leaders. We pray that you would give them insight. We pray for our researchers to help them, give them the confidence to find cures that need to be given to cure this disease. I pray for the mercy of those who have gotten sick. God, we pray for healing. We pray for peace for them. Give our doctors strength as they work around the clock, testing and treating and our nurses, 
Pray for our teachers that have been affected. We pray by every person that has been affected by this, that their world has been changed drastically. We just pray that you would give them peace in this time. Use us as a church to continue to be the hands and the feet of you. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And we pray these things in your holy name.